This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Welcome back to the grim darkness of the 41st millennium. I'm Inquisitor Temperance Price, Keeper of the Inquisition's Black Library, and this is the third volume in a report on the Ballantine Heresy, an actual play podcast set in the Genesis adaptation of Warhammer 40k's Dark Heresy RPG. This report features Game Master Tom McGee and players Ryan Laplante as Inquisitor Lucius Valentine, Tyler Hewitt as Atticus Viz, and Laura Hamstra and Del Borovic as brand new characters. My report shows that Inquisitor Valentine and Atticus Viz have allied themselves with the witch hunter Davian Mutis. Valentine spun a new yarn to win an ally, while Atticus slaughtered an entire boarding party of invaders. Now they're being towed past the heretic's son to find answers about the Confederacy, as well as to find new companions on their quest. Can they keep their secrets from the Witch Hunter, or will this new friend become a deadly enemy? Find out next in this episode of the Valentine Heresy. Xenos Amendum to After Action Report, Planet Vicodin. Perhaps most concerning about the ongoing green skin conflict that it would seem Glasgow Vicodin was using to his advantage is uh, some surprising sociological finds as we continue to uh, put down the green threat uh, on the planet. We were able to uh, explore some of their war camps, and uh, we found concerning evidence of uh, perhaps a a new deity rising. Uh, Gork and Mork, of course, are known quite uh, thoroughly throughout the galaxy as the, uh, the orcs' gods of choice. We know they have had some uh, smaller, perhaps less important deities throughout. Uh, however, we found several uh, statues to a new god that seems to have risen amongst the orcs. Uh, something uh, that, uh, according to prisoners before their execution, was known as Visas Hulhet, uh, a, a mighty orc warrior known for, for slaying constantly. And uh, the orcs themselves seem oddly reverential, not only of the combat prowess of these Halhulhet, but of uh, the questions that it posed them. They say that it constantly asks them to question their own existence in a way that is somewhat concerning. Existential crises amongst the orcs are something to be carefully monitored as it shows that their intelligence is perhaps reaching new heights. But nevertheless, it kept asking if they were orcs, and they had to consider it very carefully. This new god is tremendously concerning and one whom we should open a file on immediately. If they come to worship this warrior orc, the Sashulhit, as a god, who knows what future wars we could face. Handwritten note. Thank you for your report, sir. It would seem someone is having you on. The term you're looking for is, this is bullshit. So the curfews have been getting worse on Last Gleaming. Uh, and that is largely because of a pretty massive uh, hive war going on in the lower <laughs> levels um, between two gangs. Uh, and the problem with building an entire city around an inquisitorial outpost uh, in the the armpit of the galaxy 
is it tends to draw a lot of uh, scum and villainy, uh, a lot of different types of operators, everyone from highly trained professionals, the kind any Inquisitor would be happy to have on their retinue, to wannabe adventurers uh, seeking uh, quest boards and the like, uh, to the people who wash out, uh, to criminals who have been conscripted into service, uh, to those left behind and forgotten. And though the Inquisition itself has higher concerns but with, you know, the forces of chaos, the forces of the Xenos, and, uh, of course, heretics within the Imperium itself. For the people who live on Last Gleaming, there are a number of other concerns. Uh, concerns perhaps more suited to survival, uh, or in some cases, purely to entertainment. As in any large city, there are bars. There are uh, dens of ill repute. Uh, there are places to get any pleasure one could possibly seek. But the bar is where we're going to focus today, because below the meridian, the, the line of law and order that separates the uh, main patrol areas of the Adeptus Arbides security forces uh, in, in the, the hive, and the places that are still technically under the auspices of, of uh, under the protection rather of uh, uh, the Adeptus Arbides, but are uh, patrolled somewhat less frequently. Uh, there is a, uh, a lonely establishment uh, that is damn out of place. Um, it is uh, almost as though someone had uh, copy pasted um, a building from a, a different place in a different era and had dropped it deep, deep, deep into the guts of the hive. Uh, it's unassuming. It's a it's a building that minds its own business, and yet does seem an, an oddity. Uh, but truly, in a hive, such oddities are to be expected here and there. Um, and this bar is being uh, adversely affected by uh, these curfews, as uh, the the gang war, uh, the hive war uh, between the redacted and the loyal retainers escalates. Uh, two separate factions, uh, street gangs, uh, the redacted uh, former members of retinues who've been erased, who have been disappeared, uh, who have been lost to imperial record, and the loyal retainers, the, the benchers, the people who are just waiting because tomorrow will be the day they get called up. Tomorrow is the day for sure. Um, and unfortunately, when you have a bunch of people who feel completely burnt by the system and a bunch of people who really, really believe that if we all just keep our heads down for one more day, we'll all get called up by the system, come into conflict, uh, things get bad for all involved. And as a result, uh, curfews have been in implemented that have been really hurting uh, the bottom line of, of our fair bar. Um, and this bar is staffed by people who didn't necessarily want it, uh, but who have it uh, by, by force of, of necessity. Uh, so, Del, Laura, your characters both um, technically own, kind of just possess uh, this this bar. Um, do you have a name for it? Oh Not yet. No. <laughs> totally, uh, uh, totally fine. Um, so, uh, the name of the bar is the uh, the Claw and Wing. Um, Love it. It, it has a very classic uh, British tavern vibe, um, which is part of the reason why it seems so out of place. Um, you know, hand-laid stone exterior, um, like a like a classic stone wall, like with like a lot of like you know mm. 
different kinds of stones. Uh, almost looks like a like uh, I'm thinking almost like a, a a hobbit hovel from the outside, <laughs> um, but surrounded by hive. Like the, the you know yeah, it's not yeah, like yeah. it's in a clearing or anything. Um, and inside, uh, we are we are talking wood paneling, exotic wood paneling uh, from floor to ceiling. Um, there's a, a you know. Um, a big, you know, space boar head, uh, it's, I don't know, purple or some shit, uh, mounted over a, a, a roaring hearth. Um, and uh, the place has a, a sense of uh, class and uh, timelessness that you'd expect on a feudal world, not de- buried deep in a, a modern hive. And despite um, all of the troubles that have, have befallen Last Gleaming, uh, it is a damn modern hive like the best way to think of this is kind of like the deep streets of blade runner or like the lower levels of coruscant or narshada from star wars just like a bustling um to some extent like neon drenched um very active very busy um uh vaguely cyberpunky um hive space um bathed of course in eternal twilight uh with the uh, the death of the se- the sector's son um, this planet has not seen sunlight in uh, a century, and as a result, um, everyone here is on a weird cocktail of, uh, of, of pills to try and keep uh, the necessary levels of, um, you know, health up and running, um, which of course varies pretty drastically from people up in the tower to people in the lower depths of the hive who don't really need the sun anymore because they haven't seen it in so long. Um but uh, otherwise, as hives go, uh, certainly not the best, but definitely not the worst. And that's in part because of all of the additional money that comes in from all of the travelers who travel with Inquisitors coming and going. Um, I described this um, when we were building our characters as uh, being a little bit like Kingston, the, the town that I went to school, that has like eight prisons, three universities. So like very transient population, very mixed population that just comes and goes and you never really know who's going to be there at any given time and what the character of the place will be at any given time. And that's very much last gleaming. It's it's a, a, a hive that is eternally in flux, um, except for those left behind, uh, like the two of you working here at uh, the Claw and Wing. Um, so with... Uh, the curfew having been moved up, uh, the bar is hurting. And the bar is never doing tremendously well. It doesn't have to, uh, because you're not exactly paying rent uh, for reasons we'll get into. Uh, but it's uh, the bottom line is hurting, and you're starting to reach the end of the cash reserves that um, came with, uh, with the bar when your Inquisitor died. Um, he didn't exactly will it to you, but he didn't exactly not will it to you. And as a result, uh, the... Um, your contact uh, within uh, the tower, the last communique you received from them um, was to take care of the place and do what you will with it. Uh, unfortunately, the cash reserves are starting to run out. And as a result, things are starting to get a little bit more dire. And the uh, the curfew has really hurt that. Uh, it means that last call has had to move up quite considerably. Um, so on tonight, of all nights, uh, you've decided to try and push last call to turn a profit. Um, it's a bit of a risk. But it's one that uh, you think you can get away with. Um, again, you're not running a flashy operation. It is very much a quiet tavern kind of situation. But uh, you're you're kind of in a spot where you pretty much need to do this. Um, a bunch of your regulars are taking full advantage of this um, because uh, you know the bar staying open a bit later means uh, one more night of not having to worry about not being in an inquisitorial retinue, uh, which is really all most of these people can hope for. And as a result, they are they are living it up. 
Um, I'm curious as as we meet both of your characters, um, what uh, what's what's the job you are currently involved in doing uh, on this 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 you know late last call evening at uh, the Klon Wing? Uh, Della, start with you. Sure, my character would definitely be watching the door which I think has a closed question mark sign on it, which is like, we are technically closed, but, you know, <laughs> what a, there's people in here. And then also going from table to table, checking on the people, making sure, like trying to push more drinks on them, basically. <laughs> like, <laughs> Great. So, um, uh, Del, you approach a, a table with um, uh, one of your regulars, uh, Killian Thrang, um, is sitting there. Um, he is a, um, think like a, uh, Walmart Brad Pitt. Uh, mm -hmm. so if you bought Brad Pitt at Walmart rather than the, the, you know, luxury brand Brad Pitt, um, very handsome. Uh, he's wearing, uh, for lack of a better term, like generic sci-fi gear. He's got like the one metal shoulder pad. Um, you know, he's got gauntlets of indis like vaguely ill-defined, <laughs> nature like you don't really know if they do anything or not um he does have a las pistol which is probably the best thing going for him um and uh he definitely is trying to play off a bit of the like the star lord type vibe um but you've honestly never seen him work um mm -hmm. but he is always talking about maybe working uh, he prides himself as a jack of all trades got a bit of a gut going um kind of like you know he sucks it in when he stands up but like it's there um, and he's constantly pouring over uh, the wanted ads uh, for inquisitorial retinues and bounties. Um, because, again, as a hive world dedicated purely to f servicing the Inquisition, there is a lot of turnover. And he's kind of constantly looking for that that proper gig. Mm -hmm. um, uh, as you approach him, um, he uh, he shoots you a, a friendly smile um, and sure enough, like, raises his, his glass. Um, what does he see as you approach? Uh, what do you look like? And what yeah. name does he does he greet you by? So, oh man, what name does he greet? I don't think she gives her name out to many people, so they can just call her whatever they want. But she, uh, for for our purposes, her name is Morgan Rawls, and she is very tall and all legs. She has long black wavy hair. She has kind of an evergreen vibe only more pointy. She has extreme RBF and she's wearing like a fancy, which is resting bitch face for those of you. You, <laughs> yeah. you saved me quietly Googling it while I'm here. Yes, you. yes. So she has a fancy frilly white shirt with a cravat and a blue vest and then has a belt around her waist, which has a little knife. And then she also has long opera-like black gloves that go up to the top of her arms but have the fingers open. So she would walk up to him and be like, Oh, Gillian, you are out of drink again. I am so sorry. Um, like, let me let me get you something else. I know what you like, but I can get you something new. Maybe a little more expensive, but... A little more expensive, you say? Well, uh, oh, obviously... It will make you able to read those papers better. I can see your eyes are not quite focusing. I'll give you something with a little more buzz. All right, keep. I trust you. Um, <laughs> just make sure, you know, it's uh, it's it's within reason on the, the price range. Oh, uh, don't you worry. I have you all set. Then she's like pats him on the shoulder. She's like leaning in. She's very, very saucy. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, uh, he's he's having a great time, but it, it's he's trying to balance. Like he's he's clearly the person who has gone to Vegas just for the joy of getting to go into a casino, and is now accidentally at the high roller table, mm-hmm, and he can't mm-hmm. possibly pull out of this. So it's both like, yeah, he's definitely into this, but is also kind of terrified. Uh, but uh, eventually, um, he just like breaks into a grin that he thinks is eight times more charming than it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, just says, all right, keep, you haven't let me, uh, let me wrong before. Uh, of course. Not. And you know, why, why don't you, why don't you, and like his eye twitches ever so slightly says this, he's like, well, why, why don't you grab one, uh, for, for yourself too? Um, at which point, uh, the, uh, the guy at the table next to him, uh, says, if you're buying drinks, uh, perhaps one for Dorbis Horbis as well. Oh, um, we cannot leave Torbis Horbis out of these. No, of course. Now. Share the wealth. Um, and there is a uh, there's a guy who looks. Uh, I don't know if any of you remember the Hercules cartoon uh, yeah, that aired briefly, uh, but Icarus in the Hercules cartoon had like big jagged hair and like his eyes were like uh, like slightly like different sizes because you know it flew too close to the sun and and it, it bummed him out. It made him um, wild. <laughs> Yeah, so that's uh, that's this guy. He's just got like Doctor Wiley, like crazy spiked hair, um, and uh, he's wearing, uh, for for lack of better term, like a like a spirit Halloween <laughs> equivalent of like what someone thinks a psyker wears. So it's all like purple and gold, and it's got like filigree and like you know big swirls. Um, it has you, you know like uh, big unnecessary cuffs. Um, underneath, he's just like every time he moves, he clinks because he's wearing so much machinery um, to pull off these psyker tricks that, um, you know, he's he sounds like a, a walking cutlery drawer. Um, but uh, you all kind of humor him because, you know, that uh, Dorbus Horbus uh, prides himself on being, you know, the the area psyker. Mm-hmm. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, he was too good for, for the Imperium. So they had to like cut him loose. And now, now he's out here. Um, so he's, he's sitting nearby, like just floating a spoon, uh, between his hands, um, which all of you have determined is just two magnets in his gloves, uh, mm-hmm. like Iron mm-hmm. Man style, but you'll, you'll let him have it. Mm-hmm. Um, look, this time you don't read my mind. I read yours. I, I figure out what drink you want and uh, I get it. Yes. On Killian. On Kelly, this is why I come here. Dorbus Horbus knows the best place to drink, and it is always here at the Clawed Wing. Oh, uh, thank so you, right. dear keeper. Um, so gonna go to the bar. Yep. So where? Morgan, <laughs> yep, uh, Morgan. You, you. Uh, there are other customers um, who, who are working, but uh, you know, two drink orders is enough for now. You can't call in the whole bar at the same time. No, we try, uh, but we try. And uh, unfortunately, uh, based on uh, the sort of uh, the, the come on that you use in a lot of these places to like dial up the business, like you know, a lot of the people in this room are carrying a quiet torch for you in the way that people do for unattainable bartender folk. Um, so you don't want to end up in a talk hole uh, with anyone because, like, looking around, there's like a mm-hmm. big burly barbarian guy um, with like a vibro axe who keeps kind of darting looks up um, from a scroll that he's writing on. And you just fucking know that Aurelian Gore Walker is writing you more poetry and it's always terrible. Um, But he could, he has been very helpful at like throwing undesirables out of the bar before. So it it pays Mm -hmm, to keep mm -hmm, him around, mm -hmm, but not mm -hmm. pay him, uh, which is great. But you also know if you get over there, like he's going to start comparing you to like the midnight sun of a planet he doesn't know. And that's going to take your time. So Morgan, you approach the bar uh, Mm -hmm. and uh, you you run into your your business partner uh, and uh, really the only other person in the hive that you know beyond your regulars. 
This is Fabius Bile reaching out to all those arch heretics and other dangerous psychopaths out there. There is only one way to truly defeat the Emperor and his pathetic lickspittles, and that is to make sure that they do not unify themselves and their false beliefs and empty gods. They must not join a Patreon. They must never join patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Then our cabal can rise to the heights of brutality and cruelty. We can slay every player character, skin the flesh from their bones, and leave them with no hope remaining. Unless, somehow, people go to patreon.com slash dumdumdice. With enough support, perhaps they could stop us. But that will never happen. <laughs> Laura, um, what does uh, what does Morgan see as she approaches, and who are you? Uh, she sees uh, a man in his late 60s, uh, fairly tall tallish kind of six six feet ish but you know sturdy athletic clearly was you know you know could wield a weapon in his day right um uh and he's wearing uh everything is like imperial navy issue but with no insignia on it so he's wearing like He's wearing like some flak armor, but he's got like the navy boots. He's got like a hot, like the high collar. He's got the belt. So it's like um, a surplus store purchase where just everything's been removed. That's what it would look like. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I know it isn't for you, but just yes. from a visual standpoint, it's yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Um, and uh, he, is, this is uh, Eli Sharp, and I imagine Morgan expects. Or maybe would hope to find him behind the bar, but he's yes. not. He's like leaning in front of the bar, holding court with uh, some new customers who've obviously never been there before because he's just saying the same thing he says every night. Uh, so, Eli, um, you are currently uh, holding court with um, Sean Doe, um, noted assassin. Sean uh, Doe. Yeah, um, who is... Um, Dressed, uh, think like Neo from the Matrix, uh, <laughs> like, uh, just like long leather trench coat, um, you know, like military strapped, you know, strapped with holsters, strapped with guns underneath. Um, and he's wearing a black balaclava with a red target uh, on his forehead. Um, wow. Uh, but um, he's been having a lot of trouble figuring out how to drink through it. Um, in a way that maintains the mystique. So there's been a lot of like, you know, in the comics when like Spider-Man tries to eat or anything, it's always kind of funny and they make a big meal of like, just can't do it. So like, there's a lot of that and he's finally settled on just drinking through the mesh. Um, so he's got kind of a big, dark, uh, liquid soaked stain over his mouth, but he's listening like with rapt attention to you. Um, because as someone who, who has labeled himself a, a a notorious like a famed assassin mm -hmm. like clearly he also trades on these sorts of stories so he's all in um and uh the other uh the other person who, who's wandered in is uh a teenager um who is wearing uh who's just all like think like dj quails just like all all arms and gangles 
Um, and he's wearing armor. Uh, it looks like a like almost um, uh, Cadian armor, but like a knockoff uh, hmm. Cadian armor. Um, and it's too big. All of it is too big. It's it's he's just a like a beanpole wearing like basically football player armor. Um, so it it makes him wildly uh, kind of misshapen. Uh, he's got a um, a slug thrower, so like it uses ballistic rounds uh, that he has tooled up to look like a las rifle. But it's very clear that like it it's painted and wood and it's it, it's it's for, at a distance might do the trick, yeah. um, but uh, I think Eli, you, you're like the the kind of what kind of customer are you looking for to like tell these stories to? I assume it's like impressionable, excitable people. Is that like um, you want to re- relive the glory days, or does it matter? Just someone who will react to the story. Okay, great. Eli's so, probably what time? What time of day is it? If we're talking um, it's, twenty-four it's hour day. Well, we're like it's, talking it's like last, three a.m. Well, no, because curfew's early, so it's it's like oh, eleven p.m. Um, but it's so eleven. So he's probably six drinks in. Okay. Wow. All right. Um, okay. So uh, yeah, you've got this teenager um, who has uh, who, who boldly declared himself as uh, the uh, like a. <laughs> I think the term he used was like uh, uh, emerging adventurer. Um, Mytaeus Chingus. Um, and he is, uh, he's like standing, he's, tr- he's basically, you notice that he's constantly trying to pose like Sean Doe, but Sean Doe doesn't pose impressively. So they're both just mirroring bullshit at each other. Or at least you would notice if you weren't so wrapped up in your drink and your stories, which I think yeah. is really more, more important. Uh, but Morgan, you would, you would notice this. Uh, Eli, what, uh, what story are you currently telling? Well, look, all I'm, all I'm saying is, if we had my, my crew, mine, <laughs> we'd have been dealt with this fragging hive war the second it started. One hit, five minutes of planning, surgical strike, take him out. Um, and Shondo is, is nodding. Uh, with his his weird drink that now has a lot of balaclava floating in it, <laughs> uh, and he just says, "Yes, this is a way. A single shot, one shot, one kill. It is the Shanto way, and it sounds like it is yours as well, Eli Sharp." Well, like multiple shots from many people. Ah, uh, multiple shots, and he like puts down the drink and pulls out a notepad. <laughs> <Just> it's <writes> multiple <laughs> shots, um, and uh, Mateus says. Uh, yeah, um, that um, that sounds pretty impressive. Um, I I gotta ask, uh, sir, how um, how did you lead them into battle though? Like to do all those strikes without you know leveling a hive sounds pretty hard. Um, and I'd like to know so one day an emerging adventurer like myself could have a similar experience. What are you? An emerging adventurer. Yeah, I'm trying to make a name for myself. Yeah, I'm going on some adventures with the Inquisition. You think, as an adventurer, you're going to board a ship and kill a bunch of orcs? Yeah. (laughs) Ten times your number? Oh, I mean, that sounds like a lot of orcs. Oh, son. Yeah. (laughs) I think I was about to tell him to get out and then seize Morgan. I was going to say, Morgan is trying to interject this. Yeah, it's like... More money, I'll pour you another drink. <laughs> um, and uh, Mateus like uh, pulls out like whatever the smallest denomination is. Like it's clearly like allowance, uh, and it's just like counting it awkwardly. 
Um, <laughs> just says, what? One alcohol, please. Um, and uh, Sean is is like shaking his head next to you. Like he's all in on on like, of course you're not going to board. Not like us. We're cool. Um, as uh, as you approach uh, Morgan to see this this uh, this grim scene, uh, how do you feel about uh, about this, this scene you've walked in on? Uh, Morgan would try to grab Eli by the crook of his arm and move him and replace him on the other side of the bar, saying, <laughs> you look, you can you can tell stories all night, but you have two hands. You pour drinks with one hand, you tell stories with the other hand, all right? Please, come on, we need to make money. But you don't understand. You're, look, look, girl, when you're talking tactics, you need both hands <laughs> to show the direction. There's multiple things uh, going on <laughs> at the same time. All right, she's gonna just start pouring the drinks herself. She's she's going and she's gonna pour herself the one that the guy bought and yep. put a tiny shot of alcohol in it and put water in it, but charge it <laughs> like it's a drink. So that's <laughs> and then make the other drinks for the other people. Great. Um, so uh, the evening progresses, um, and uh, you know, as time goes on, a few other people filter in. Um, they come, they go. Um, but the fact that you're, you've pushed last call means that, you know, it's one of those weird blessing and curses because it means people can drink more here, but they don't necessarily know they can, so they aren't necessarily coming in. Um, but uh, Morgan, you are happy to see that, uh, you know, uh, now that Killian is uh, is kind of stuck, uh, he's just kind of committed to it. <laughs> the drink helps. Um, it's good. So, um, yes. Uh, you approach him uh, and Dorbus Horbus uh, with, with their drinks, um, mm -hmm. and uh, Killian just says, uh, well, listen, as a jack of all trades, it uh, behooves me to be good at a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and one of the things I'm good at is toasting, good service, and a good host. So, and he, like, raises his glass, and he says, uh, so to you, our fair mysterious keeper, and your, um, and he, like, looks at Eli gesticulating wildly about tactics with two hands and is like, mm -hmm. uh, Yes, our, our lovely benefactor who owns this place, oh. of course, you should not speak poorly of him, but we will toast to the both of us. We will toast to the, the, the I don't remember what it's called, the Claw and Wing Bar. That <laughs> uh, is yes. where we are. Look, drink working on me as well. Yeah. Um, I and, think, uh, can I just say, I think we forget the name because I think it's been like locally dubbed the Emperor's Piss. <laughs> sure great love that if that's not too heretical is uh, it too no, heretical <laughs> no because I, I i think it's like i mean it, it would be holy piss but i think the the, yeah. I, the argument is that like You'd be hard pressed to find finer piss yeah. well also realistically uh inquisitor kanehurst opened this place because it reminded him of home so uh as as someone who uh got a cruel shock the first time i had a british beer where it's like serve warm and not really carbonated. <laughs> I think it's just the kind of thing where, like, he brought in a bunch of local liquor and beverages that are so completely alien to this hive that I'm sure drinks, like, whatever swill they can make, that everyone's just like, fuck this place. Um, <laughs> but also, realistically, like, you didn't open it. It's just a place where you live. Like, you don't need to know the name. Uh, it's uh, it's yeah. totally fine. <laughs> The cheers go down, um, you know, uh, uh, Killian continues to, uh, to, you know, now he's in entertainer mode. So he's, you know, listing off potential jobs uh, and potential retinues. And he's like, oh, I mean, this uh, 
this uh, this Malleus one looks looks you know up my alley as someone who has faced down uh, forces of chaos before. And from the back, uh, you just hear uh, Gore Walker let out a single Edna Krabop like, ha! Um, <laughs> and then uh, go back to his writing. Um, but uh, the mood in the bar is is jovial, if if small. And Morgan, you you actually uh, feel so you can relax now. Unfortunately, for you know the money you are making off of some of these chumps, uh, it is going directly into Eli's mouth, uh, which is not unexpected, but is is a bit of an issue. Um, but uh, you know this this was a risk, and it seems to be paying off. Um, Eli, how did you feel about uh, pushing the uh, the last call on this? How how much do you care about the the bar turning a profit? Not one bit. Okay, I so for- barely notice. Great. <laughs> um, so the good news, Morgan, is you're not up against any resistance here. But um, at the same time, uh, it you know you've got to balance being open long enough to be like, how much is he going to drink while we stay open? Is it yeah, worth? it used to be a pretty level split. And as the nights go on, Morgan can make his drink shittier and, right. and less strong, but it's starting to be a crapshoot. <clears throat> Great. So um, eventually, uh, Morgan, as often happens, uh, you have to run back uh, for something. Um, uh, you know, there's your the, the good, good, good stuff is probably under lock and key then if you're worried mm-hmm. about Eli getting to it. Yeah, there's um, a back room with stuff <laughs> yeah so uh when you have a moment alone uh in in the back room like what's what is a moment of peace for morgan rawls like the moment of peace is just a big sigh and not having to perform this bullshit caring about people or doing any of this shit this is this is all garbage nobody cares she would rather <laughs> just be quiet and alone somewhere so that moment where it's just all drowned out and muffled it's like that's that alone in the dark is where Morgan <laughs> feels nice and comfortable. So just being in the back hallways where they le- have stuff and, and the rooms back there is always is, is a joy. Just cold and dark and metal hallways. And it's like, ah, okay. It's recentered. <laughs> yeah. You, you briefly, as you feel that sense of calm, um, you have just a flash of, of kind of your life to this point and, and who you were, um, before you were scooped up by the the Inquisition, before you found yourself pressed into the service of Inquisitor Kanehurst, and it's odd because despite all the stress of being out there, the moments like this really are where you feel the starkest contrast between your life on the run and who you've become now. Um, and unfortunately, as you you hear like you know, Eli Eli's voice rise with the telling of of some mm-hmm. long lost battle. Um, you know how how precarious your situation here is. No one seemed to care about Kanehurst's little pet project, his little slice of home. It was like a little oddity souvenir he brought. Um, but if anyone ever did come knocking, you guys would pretty much be fucked. Uh, and mm-hmm. all the money that was was available in in the accounts that you had access to is is basically like it's not gone, but it's it's really getting there. Uh, so it's a piece, but a delicate one. Mm-hmm. Um, similarly, Eli. Um, you know, the uh, is there a point at which you kind of retreat into yourself or, or are you like out amongst the people for the, the entirety of the night? Um, yeah, I would say Eli is drinking to stop retreating. He's like just he drinks, he tells stories, he interacts. That's all to prevent him like <laughs> contemplating to, yeah. his life. 
So eventually, as as you know, that drunk at a bar does, um, you drift to a new table. Um, uh, Sean and, and Mightyus are are arguing now uh, about weapons. Um, it's just a, a weird like. Hmm. Um, it's almost like a, a Zoolander and Hansel argument where it's just like – or like a Will Arnett <laughs> argument where it's just kind of like, uh, well, with my last gun, I could just get you a distance. Ah, yes, but you could not hit me a distance if I were to shot you in the back of the neck with my guns. And it's just like this stupid <laughs> argument about like, well, but if. Um, so you find yourself um, uh, wandering over um, and kind of like seated, probably doing that thing where you're one table away from uh, – uh, Dorbus Horbus and Killian Thrang's tables, but then you turn around, um, and uh, uh, Dorbus Horbus is like, I could not help but hear that you were uh, talking about how you would end the hive war between uh, the redacted and the loyalists. This is very curious to Dorbus Horbus because business is generally bad for all involved, particularly for resident psychers, with all of the problems with the two gangs. So, how would you stop it other than a surgical strike? Do you think perhaps you could talk some sense into the two leaders? I'll read your mind, but you should tell me. Talk, talk sense into two factions that are fighting? How long have they been fighting for? There ain't no sense in this anymore. You kill them all, you kill them quick. No other way. So I've read your mind, and it seems that you're suggesting you just kill them all quick and fast. That seems kind of extreme even for Dorbus Horbus. every time. <laughs> Um, and, uh, Killian is like, that is, uh, that is kind of scary there, uh, there, there, Eli. Hey, I've been meaning to ask about the, uh, the, the duds there. I mean, I, I like your look, but, um, I hope you don't mind me saying it. You got a bit of a, oh yeah, I mean, you got a bit of a, a Navy cut going there. Uh, where, where, where'd you get, where'd you get a, an Imperial Navy outfit? The damn Navy. <laughs> So wait, so you actually served? I, I, sir, I thought that, I thought you were just. Did I actually serve? Are you new here? <laughs> uh, I mean, no. But what if, if you're in the navy? What? Well, what are you doing down here? Cut. You know what happens? The Inquisition gets involved. You're having a great time. You're, you're just, you're killing it. And then they ask you to do this thing and you do it. And then the Navy, they publicly call you a liar and you end up on this shithole. And then he, yep. I think he and, throws up. <laughs> <laughs> and as, as you're throwing up, Killian's literally like, oh man, yeah. I wish the Inquisition would call me up so I could have that great time. Like completely missed the the, the cautionary side of it. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, Dorbus Horbus is like nodding knowingly and like they share a little bit of camaraderie um, uh, about it. Um, uh, Morgan, you come out to find uh, Eli throwing up. Uh, but before you can reach him, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, a massive uh, bulky muscular form um, just like darkens your pathway. Mm-hmm. Um, and he puts on little glasses and then he r- raises a scroll um, and he says mysterious barkeeper keeper of Aurelian Gorewalker's heart I have torn many hearts for many chests but it is you who has defeated me in kind they say irony and karma are twins well if so they must be dear friends of yours. He turns it over and you realize he's Oof. got 
pages of this. He's got like he's been working. He's been working the past few nights. Uh, all right, how all right. you... she, she's going to interrupt and put her hands on his hands and push down the papers a little bit. <laughs> say, <laughs> Aurelian, these these words they are so precious. You cannot just share these in public. You should give this to me. I will I will keep it and I will read it in private and perhaps I will. I will send you a little letter in response, but but I would not I would not give these feelings so openly where everyone can hear. Um, and uh, he is like a, a pale Nordic warrior type, and just from <laughs> from his toes to the top of his bald head, just blush. Um, and uh, he he hands hands you the notes, and he just says, "If you do send me a return note, the famed." Conqueror Gorg, who has been prophesied to murder me, will find it upon my corpse. Thus swears a brilliant gore walker. Um, and- Love, lovely swear. I will, I will <laughs> remember this for all times. Yes. Um, and he he gives you like a pleasant nod. He doesn't really know what to do, so he like shakes your hand. Uh, he's gonna then- she's gonna squish his hands, like give him a little like like there, okay. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, was, I would say take, he's <laughs> take his note. I would say he's never going to wash those hands again, but realistically, he's never washed those hands. No. Full yep. stop. Yep. Um, he is, incidentally, the only actual person that you know is involved in an inquisitorial retinue in this entire part. Like, he, he's, he's, he'll disappear for months at a time and then just he's come perfect. back. I love bunch this guy. A bunch of thrones to spend and just, like, hang out. Um, so he, be he goes nice back. this guy. Uh, he goes back over to his corner um, and just starts sharpening uh, his axe. Um, just absently, um, uh, and then uh, eventually stands and nods nods to you and, and makes his way out uh, into the night, having having served his purpose. Um, I think in the meantime, Morgan is just going to try and sling more drinks and then also grab a towel and throw it at Eli in the vomit. Like, you figure that one out. <laughs> Goodbye. Um, yeah, amazing. So, Eli, you get hit by a towel. Uh, <laughs> what do you do? It's... Imagine it kind of hits me, falls off to the floor, and I just I'm used I'm used to this. So I just like with my shoe, just kind of <laughs> mop up the vomit and then kick the towel into a corner. Great. It smells um, great in here. You um you hear uh the distant siren of of uh, an Arbides vehicle um kind of doing the rounds. Uh which means that theoretically you could try and close up, um, but uh, Killian and uh, and Dorbus have just joined Sean Doe and Mighty. And it's now become a table of like a pissing contest between uh, four people who have never pissed. Um, so this could go on for a long time. Yeah. yeah. Um, Morgan, would you try and close the bar, or would you try and stay open despite the the uh, the, the clear signal of authorities? I think Morgan would run and turn off all the lights. Well, now we have very more intimate bar experience from now on tonight. And just the store, the sign says closed. We'll turn off all the lights. We're just friends hanging out in this bar. It's fine. Great. So <laughs> no the problem. Ba- the bar is, is now just lit by the in the, the smoldering embers of of the the heat, um, or the hearth rather. Uh, Eli, I feel like you're sitting nearby very dramatically lit. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like glass in hand, watching these chuckle fucks have their their delightful conversation, knowing, you know, what's going on in the world. Um, yeah. And uh, and Morgan, you feel like you've kind of got this in hand. 
which is dangerous because generally speaking, anytime in your life you felt like you've had something in hand, it isn't. Uh, and that's a, an unfortunate lesson your entire planet learned. Yeah. Um, I think and- something in the back of Morgan's head in general is that this is a cursed year for her because <laughs> every 13 years something bad happens in her life. So this is a cursed year, but she's just trying to keep that out of her general brain space and figure things out. Uh, which you absolutely could have done uh, until uh, the masked men emerged out of your back room um, with bolters and just said, Hey, I'm afraid last call came a bit early. We're going to be needing your bar. Uh, which is when the front windows are blown out by gunfire. This episode of The Valentine Heresy features Ryan Laplante at the Ryan Laplante on Twitter as Inquisitor Lucius Valentine, Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter as Atticus Viz, Laura Hamstra at EL Hamstring on Twitter as Eli Sharp, Del Borovic at Del Tastic on Twitter as Morgan Rawls, and our game master Tom McGee at McGeeTD on Twitter. This episode was edited and mixed by Laura Hamstra, and the Valentine Heresy's artwork was created by Del Borovic at delborovic.com, D-E-L-B-O-R-O-V-I-C. Our theme song is The Hordes by Megan McDuffie, and our ads use the tracks No Control and Chief Spy Jazzar, J-A-H-Z-Z-A-R, available at freemusicarchive.org. When it comes to Dum Dums and Dice, you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com. Our Twitter and Instagram are at dumdumdice, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash dumdumdice. We have merch dice available at redbubble.com slash people slash dumdumdice. And most importantly, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B-D-U-M-B-D-I-C-E. Ave Imperator, and death to all the heretics. Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. The Half-Blind Prophet, Christopher Little, Sue One, George Dolby, Richard Cranium, Sammy Boy, Orion Birchfield, Scott Garland, Benjamin V, Gavin and Abby McDonald, Logan, Fire Unfriendly, Acrix, Grandma Likes D&D, Alan, Austin Nut Powers Fry, Stabby Stranger, Glitch Trick, Roman Brown, Shulzari, Christian Mendez, Spot Allen, Flynn1138, Alorain Okapi, and Jill and Noel Laplante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Space Podity. An actual play D&D Spelljammer podcast. In Space Podity, four adventurers visit the worlds and vex the GMs of other actual play shows. Keep listening for a sneak peek and please subscribe so you don't miss the first episodes set in the campaign of the long-running Dungeons & Dragons podcast. Acting Captain's Log. We've crashed our flying birdbath mansion. Long story. The party of groundling adventurers on board is kind and heroic, but untrusting, and is staring at me. It consists of a traumatized minotaur. You, you want to see traumatized? A spooky Asimar child. I'm an adult An now. adult 
Asimar Child, whom I suspect to be enthralled by a hidden power, and the most headstrong elf I have ever met, and that includes Rascalgar the Cataclysmically Reckless from the former Arajanon Zed. Sounds fun. Also, the mansion's kitchens are out of ale. How am I going to function? Space Podity. Find us wherever your podcasts are.